Hi, and welcome back to Daily Tech Start, where I share with you my day-to-day experiences working at a tech company and the lessons I learn along the way. This is episode number 13, and today's topic is internationalization. So over the years working for American companies and American tech um, startups, I've noticed that there are many articles written enumerating the various reasons why European companies should be investing in the US or actually even locate there. However, much less is said, written or spoken about US companies and their investment um, within Europe and what that internationalization process actually looks like. So I thought today we'd dive a little bit in and it will probably take a couple of episodes to really dig into this topic of internationalizing from the US to Europe. So one of the things that I've noticed is that very few companies out there has have actually done a pan-European or a full-fledged internationalization um, properly. Um, what I'm noticing is that either people go in guns blazing, hire an enormous amount of people, hire basically country managers um, and hire a lot of talent and do that with a lot of invest, upfront investment. I'm thinking of companies like Microsoft, like Uber, or there's others that have done it at a sort of exponentially smaller level. And what I've noticed, or what a lot of people, I've spent a lot of time researching this and talking with a lot of people and companies, um, what I've noticed is this sort of lapse or expansion. So where people expand into Europe, they give them the agency and the autonomy, autonomy sorry, to do what they want in these new markets. And then there's sort of a pulling back into central HQ a couple of years in and then back and forth. So it's quite interesting to see new startups actually go into new territories, especially a territory like Europe, where things are extremely complex. Um, yes, it's one of the biggest trading blocks in the world with 500 million citizens, but it's also probably one of the most complex with 23 languages, um, 28 markets and a lot of legislation and a lot of red tape um, to get across. For what it's worth, if you are an American company and you have internationalized into Europe and you have expanded um, your market reach, I'd actually love to hear from you and love to hear how you've done it from the operational side of things, from the legal side of things, from the infrastructure, the teams you've hired, the resources, how big you've gone, how fast. Um, I'd love to hear about really what models have worked and what hasn't. And the reason I'm, 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 this is sort of top of mind for me at the moment is because this is something that is top of mind for us as a company, but it's also been something that's been top of mind for me, I'd say for the last two or three years, as I've watched others do it pretty unsuccessfully, and I've watched a few do it pretty successfully, but most of the general managers and startups that I talk to are pretty miserable um, and have some fantastic tales um, to share. So I'd love to hear from you if you've got any insights there. So first, I thought I'd focus on what it actually takes um, to be successful and to succeed uh, as a business in Europe. So I've lived in Europe my entire life. I was born in France. I grew up in Brussels, which is another fantastic and fascinated um, decentralized and fragmented country in itself. Um, and I'm British by passport and I moved to London about five years ago. And so I've seen firsthand how difficult it is to set up a company um, on the mainland of Europe um, and actually harder in some countries such as France and Belgium. Um, I also have many friends or I've seen a lot of friends leave Europe and set up their dream company elsewhere where either funding was easier to find, the rules was less, the rules, sorry, were less onerous. Um, 
There are obviously counterexamples such as Blablacar, uh, Vente Privé, Zalando, SoundCloud, Just Eat, Shazam. God, there's quite a few of them. Netaporte, Raspberry Pi, Sky, um, Sky Scanner, all of which are and remain actually very much proudly European. But generally speaking, the, the commonplace view is that regulated Europe is just not startup friendly. So when I was working at Bursa Marstello as a digital lead for Europe, Middle East and Africa, one of our biggest clients was Uber. And it was safe to say that they were a large tech company who were entering Europe and doing so in force. Um, and what we noticed is that most tech companies doing this were faced with the same problems, namely navigating what is considered a pretty complex and uh, fragmented market, as I mentioned, with, you know, 28 ultimately different legal systems, the 23 different cultures and the whole cultural, the um, 23 different languages, sorry, and then all of the cultural challenges and nuances that come with this. It's not actually enough to say that your company is an important source of creativity and innovation or employment, all of which are absolutely uh, you know, great pluses and great benefits and have the potential to help you create new jobs and new wealth. You actually also need to demonstrate that you're going to adapt and tailor both your products and your services and actually even tailor the way you're conducting business in the European marketplace. Um, so you have to demonstrate that understanding of this different culture that you are ultimately faced with. In my experience, companies which have succeeded in Europe are those that understand that every country and every city needs to be tackled individually and not as a total overarching continent. And they need to be tackled with a certain amount of respect for European local and national rules of laws. So sure, London might seem like the right place to start your international, like, your international expansion, but you need to keep in mind that London is absolutely not representative of, for starters, the rest of the UK and definitely not representative of the rest of the of, of Europe or the European Union. Um, most of you will know that actually the UK has far more similar cultural um, similarities to the US than it does to actually mainland Europe. Um, and it's not also, and it's also important to keep in mind that it's not because you succeed in London in the UK that you will be successful elsewhere in Europe or even elsewhere in the UK. So simply put, we do things extremely differently here in Europe and we really do appreciate people and companies who come with that level of understanding and design their offering accordingly. So another success factor um, that you need to look at is the whole aspect of hiring. Um, and successful companies hire very much local talent and expertise. You will need people who understand the European continent as a whole. You'll need people who understand the market in which they're trying to sell and the market in which they're trying to grow. You'll need people who understand the cultural differences, the nuances. And you also need people who are absolutely aligned with the European business tactics. Um, so I think the biggest mistake that any American company who wants to expand into Europe can do is take someone from the leadership team in the US who ha doesn't have any well, definitely who doesn't have any prior um, business development skills within the European market, who's never hired or managed people in Europe or sold in Europe. But I think you'd be doing a very big disservice to your company if you hire Americans and put them into Europe. Um, one of, so, for example, one of the fundamental differences that I've seen when selling product and selling software in Europe versus my colleagues who do this in the US 
In the US, people love to buy, people love to be sold and love selling. In Europe, that's definitely not the case. In Europe, I think we prioritize relationship building. We love to take people out for coffee and to discuss. But the end goal of that coffee is to actually start building that relationship and to discuss and to brainstorm and to think about ideas and innovation. The end goal is absolutely not to buy a product, definitely not in those first instances. Um, so Europeans don't like to be sold, don't like to be told that they may be missing something. And, and Europeans don't specifically like to sell either. Um, people might completely disagree with me, but honestly, in the years of experience I have in this space and the people I've spoken to, that definitely has been one of the traits that's been fascinating to look at. How do you build a sales team and find your sales reps in Europe? And the worst thing that you could potentially do is hire traditional American sales reps and put them into Europe to get them to sell. Um, I can tell you now, hands down, that will absolutely not work. So let's talk about some of the reasons why you should invest um, in Europe. Sure enough, entering the European market is tough and it's challenging, but the, but the hard work is definitely worthwhile. So firstly, I think Europe is interesting at the same time, both a forward thinking, progressive continent, and it's also much more traditional in many ways than the US is. We have some extremely creative and innovative and high energy tech hubs or poles of excellence, as we call them here in Europe. Um, that's from ranging from Berlin to London, Paris to Warsaw, Tallinn um, to Amsterdam. And the diversity of cultures and experiences and ideas is present really across the whole of Europe. And this same diversity is, I believe, a massive added value to startups um, willing to hire a wide variety sorry, of experience and talent. Um, it's not uncommon to find, for example, a London-based tech company with maybe only 20 or 30% of British employees. Um, thanks to Schengen and the free movement of people, we're hiring so many different people um, across of Europe easily. Now, this is obviously going to change with visas now needed to work in the UK with the UK's Brexit decision to leave um, Schengen and to leave um, the European Union. But you know, even just for the company I work for here in Europe, we've hired someone who was, you know, from the Czech Republic, we've hired someone from France, and their experience and understanding of the cultures and the markets makes it so much easier to sell in, in those markets. Secondly, European entrepreneurs are used to being faced with a plethora of constraints, such as lack of funding or access to capital. Um, they also are used to having to navigate a complex set of local, national and European legal systems and a talent base that is actually continuously leaving for the US or constantly doubting the environment their country provides for these startups, and rightly so. And so as a result of this, Europe really boasts a unique and innovative ecosystem full of really resilient innovative and resourceful entrepreneurs, resourceful, sorry, entrepreneurs. Um, and I think resilience really is a great synonym um, for European entrepreneurs and, and people who work in the European tech space. Um, we're used to being faced with so many challenges and complexities and such an, um, a sort of a diverse environment um, that I think we really thrive in those instances. So thirdly, and probably most importantly, um, as I mentioned earlier on, um, Europe is the largest developed single market in the world. It is a developed, mature economy with very transparent rules and regulations making it very complex as well. But it's also the biggest player on the global trading scene with over 500 million potential customers looking for quality, modern goods and services. So if you're able to navigate those complexities of the European continent and the European Union, 
And if you take your time to do so, then you can potentially have access to a very, very large customer base. And fourthly, many in Europe still look to the US for future-proof tech. US brands can win in Europe where real growth is is possible. Think of companies such as Airbnb and Stripe and Netflix that all understood the benefit of a carefully thought-out international expansion. There's a unique opportunity, I think, to enter a market that might not be aware of it um, or even needs your products or services, meaning you can set the standard and really capture the European market. So what I mean by that is we're always a little bit behind the curve in Europe, but we do have a certain level um, of expectation for the goods and services. So if you want people who are always going to give you serious and honest feedback about how to develop your product better, um, in Europe, I think you'd be faced with a great um, pool of customers to be great beta testers to your products as well.